Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Dear Catastrophe Waitress, Dear Catastrophe Waitress, From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thoughts. I'm Virginia Prescott. The 2019 James Beard Awards Gala takes place next week in Chicago. Among the chefs and culinary creatives being celebrated, a different kind of innovator will join the Giving Kitchen. The Atlanta-based nonprofit will accept the James Beard Humanitarian of the Year Award for its role in providing crisis grants, resources, and assistance to food service workers. But before they head to Chicago to accept the award, Giving Kitchen co-founder Jen Heidegger Kendrick is with us. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Also, Executive Director Brian Schroeder joining us in the studio. Hello, Brian. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Our pleasure. So when we say food service workers, we mean everyone from dish washers to waitstaff to sous chef or in a restaurant or working for a caterer or food truck. Have I got that right? Absolutely. So for those who haven't worked in food service, what is it like, Jen? Conditions, expectations? You know, this industry is one that works tirelessly, effortlessly. It is a a industry of selfless giving, I think. Um, You know, and you know, when there's nothing that is there as a level of support or a resource in times of need can be extremely difficult for these individuals. It can can really leave them out of a home um, and potentially on the street. And Mm. that's something that Giving Kitchen um, holds really close to our hearts because we want to be that that bridge, that connector to make sure that these individuals um, have a place to stay uh, while they're tending to their needs. Well, it surprises me, I think, and maybe a lot of people that the margins are so thin. Financially, they tend to be low-wage jobs on some scale, but many of them rely on tips. Is it common for restaurant workers to live paycheck to paycheck? Uh, it, it's very common. Uh, and beyond, you know, dishwasher or waitress or manager, uh, Giving Kitchen also serves fine dining to fast food. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's interesting that we found is, you know, even restaurants where there's better pay and even restaurants where there's benefits, it is a hard job. There is not a place for you in food service if you can't be on your feet working every day. And, and, and part of the stability that we provide uh, is is to help folks regardless of where you're working. We say from Staple House to Waffle House um, uh, to make sure that they have the, the stability and the resources they need to make it through a crisis from a cancer scare to a broken ankle. Well, so th- these jobs don't tend to come with benefits, paid vacation, sick leave, or disability pay. So if you miss work, you miss wages. Mm-hmm. Is there pressure to come to work even if you are sick or have a minor injury? I mean, absolutely. I think we see that pretty regularly through our grant program. There's many, many stories that will showcase, um, you know, there's a doctor that says I should take six weeks off work, but I can't because mm. I simply need to have groceries in the refrigerator to make sure my family is fed. Um, we see we see stories like that all the time. Our, uh, our intake process, so how people come to Giving Kitchen to get support, is a lot like applying for a scholarship or a loan. It's all online. It's in English. It's in Spanish. If you're not tech savvy, you can come into our office and, and we'll walk you through it and, and help you with it and do it for you. Uh, but we get a snapshot into someone's life, and, and it, it is heartbreaking how many people have 
gone to the emergency room because that's the only health care they can afford. Hmm. Uh, the doctor says that they shouldn't work for at least three months. But when we look at their pay stub, they've been working up until the time they applied for, for giving kitchen support. And so when we're able to provide that financial assistance and the money goes directly to their mortgage or, or their uh, rent, their utilities, we, don't, we wouldn't write a check directly to a, an individual. Uh, but it means that they actually can stop use the financial support to make sure there's a roof over their head, there's uh, the water's running, the heat is on, um, and heal. I have to say that's kind of startling to me. In a total foodie city, there's been huge growth in the restaurant sector. People love the food scene here. Is there a disconnect? You know, I'm not sure. I just think that this was a city that really rallied behind um a really touching story. Mm -hmm. And there is really no other industry that we have found that has has come together in this way to help support their own. I think that's what's remarkable about our city of Atlanta and and one um, of the reasons why we're so, so proud of of everything that's that's coming up. Well, Jen, tell us a little bit about how the story that actually started The Giving Kitchen. Absolutely. My my late husband, Ryan Heidinger, um, was a chef here in town. Uh, we moved here in, in 2004 and started off uh, working at Bacchanalia and then made his way to Float Away Cafe, one of Anquitrano's restaurants. And um, after that, found his his more permanent home at Muss and Turner's, a restaurant in Smyrna. Um, and we started a supper club out of our home, something that is um, very common here in Atlanta these days, something I love to see pop up. Uh, but we started one in our home in 2009 as as a way for us to to put our names um, on the city in a different way, get to learn our, our food and culture a little bit differently, and really get to learn um, about our the individuals who who dine. Um, as my late husband and I wanted to open up a restaurant one day, and four years later, he was diagnosed with a late-stage terminal cancer and was given six months to live. Mm. Um, and from there was really kind of the moment um, that really changed the course of our lives. His bosses and mentors at the time came to us and said, let us help you, um, and we allowed them that opportunity opportunity so we could focus on Ryan's medical journey. Um, and they rallied uh, near a thousand people, uh, 40 restaurants and bars, and an event that we now call Team Heidi, which is um, our annual fundraiser for Giving Kitchen. That initial fundraiser raised just shy of $300,000 for our benefit. And that's really what motivated and sparked the the idea for Giving Kitchen to exist. That is a beautiful origin story. And we should mention that the name of your little uh, home kitchen at that time, or the, your supper club was? Yeah, it was Prelude to Staple House. Uh-huh. Prelude mm-hmm. to Staple House. So how did you go about starting and growing it from there? I mean, that's one person who had a lot of friends and a lot of love inside of the community. How did you turn that into a, a nonprofit? Well, and that's exactly what we talk about all the time with, with Inception to Now is that, you know, one person's story was able to touch the lives of so many. And Giving Kitchen is really an organization built off many stories. This The food service industry is, is comprised of so many individuals working so hard. And it goes far far beyond just these individuals. We've learned uh, within our last six years that the amount of impact that we have goes far beyond these individuals. It's the children in the household. It's the other family members. Um, so, you know, in 2013, when when the idea for this nonprofit started, um, it was just something that we knew would have to start small. We would have to define the barriers. Um, we would have to define the, the, the individuals who we would give assistance to. And um, the Giving Kitchen really started just as a financial aid program and now has blossomed into so many other programs we're really excited about. 
So, Brian, you mentioned that people can apply for it online, but how do they actually find out about you? That's a great question. Uh, you know, we ask that in follow-up surveys or even uh, as people start the process. A lot of it's word of mouth. Um, a lot of it they heard from a friend. Uh, so we really count on, uh, one, uh, our media partners. Uh, to help us tell our story, this this opportunity is a fantastic way. So if, if you're listening, if you have a, a friend or family uh, family member in food service, make sure to tell them about the Giving Kitchen. And our donors and supporters, there's a call to action uh, that whenever you go out to eat, talk to your uh, waiter or waitress about Giving Kitchen. But we also count on our distributor partners. If you think about who's in a restaurant every day, it's Cisco, it's U.S. Foods, it's United. Uh, and, and we are beginning to tell our story in a way and, and, and challenging, encouraging, and coaching uh, the delivery drivers and the service techs uh, and the sales reps to be able to talk about the Giving Kitchen and empower the restaurants they go into to apply for assistance when they need help. That is Brian Schroeder, Executive Director of the Atlanta-based nonprofit, The Giving Kitchen. Also, co-founder Jen Heidinger-Kendrick is with us, and we're learning about the program, which recently and will be accepting an award for a James Beard Humanitarian Award next week, which is a pretty unusual thing in the food business. But it's so interesting that that connecting the sense of nourishment, you know, what you are giving, what you are providing in a kitchen with the humanitarian award. Were you stunned when you found out about it? Uh, you know, when we first were doing interviews and talking about it, we had to, I think we acted cool. <laughs> and I'm now uh, comfortable with myself to the place where I can say, oh my God. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, uh, it and, and honestly, for me, there was a sense of pride um, for our board and for our staff and for our donors and for the people who believed in the Giving Kitchen from the beginning. You know, Ryan Heidinger left us with a challenge challenge. Um, help people like me. Help a food worker in crisis. And and after he passed away, his friends and family were left with this edict. They were left with this charge. And so many people from so many different backgrounds have stepped up to help us wrestle with that concept of what does it mean to help a restaurant worker in crisis? And mm-hmm. so um, for an organization that's five years old to, to have a, a national award like this is fantastic. And I, I think what's interesting is there have been Many incredible, incredible, incredible uh, winners of the Humanitarian of the Year Award, but no one who's done work for the food service community. It's all been people who are rooted in food service who've reached out. They've helped people in Puerto Rico. They've helped people mm-hmm. in New York. They've helped people in, in New Orleans. Uh, but I can't say for the first time, but what stands out for the Giving Kitchen is we're a nonprofit that uh, is is looking back, looking into f- our food service community and, and asking some questions about how we can do better around issues of self-care while also uh, providing stability services here in Georgia. How many people have benefited so far? Since our inception, we've been able to award just over $2.5 million wow. to over 1,600 members of our community. And that does not include all of our stability network uh, individuals. Can you break that down for me? You talked about crisis grants and then stability network. What's the distinction there? Um, so we know this is this goes back to you know our origin story. And you know when Ryan said, help people like me and, and all of his friends had raised him money, I think that the light bulb went off and the, the founders of Giving Kitchen in the, fir- in the early days said well we'll 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 do like we'll do that again and so they started a crisis grant program uh, the homer fund which is home depots uh, emergency assistance fund they allowed us to meet with them and really borrow a lot of their strategy and structure and and how they evaluate grants and who they give grants to so thank you to home depot for being and that's another part of our story and, and the community of atlanta coming together uh, but over the course of the years as we we really worked on 
how we help restaurant workers in crisis through this grant program, we realized people needed more. Um, that people who were getting financial assistance also maybe needed help with a food kitchen or, or, or a homeless service or, man, who do you call if a tree falls through your house? Or is there a place where we can get mental health uh, or counseling for free or at a reduced rate? And so what started really as a list, I don't, I don't want to say on the back of the napkin, but for this point of the story, it sounds good. On the back of a napkin, <laughs> you know, we started a list of, oh, you know, th- these are these resources in our community that we can send people to. And it's now grown to um uh, what we're working on is a statewide uh, referral service, a referral service program that not only is sending people to community services they might not be aware of, but we're advocating on behalf of restaurant workers to get sliding scale counseling, sliding scale therapy, mm-hmm. um, yoga, um, all different types of community service. And with that program, we've been able to track over a thousand people who've been directed to community services because sometimes people come to us. And, and they are in a legitimate crisis, but it wouldn't qualify for financial aid. And an example would be, you know, if your if your roommate moved out, you know, that's going to make it hard to put food in the fridge yeah. because you're putting you're your money towards rent. rent. Two people, right? um, but it wouldn't qualify for our grants. And so what we're able to do is get that person connected to a food bank um, or, or other resources in the community so they can weather the storm of a type of crisis that that is genuine, but not what we serve with our grants program. Right. So you have the injury, the illness, the funeral costs, mm-hmm. which are expensive and disaster costs for crises. But there are other things. How about substance abuse? Having worked uh, weighted tables when I was much younger, um, that is something that I saw come up over and over again. Is that a, something that you're, the Giving Kitchen is addressing? It is. And, you know, there's lots of ways to address it. And there's a lot of ways that we need to address it as a community. Um holistically and talking about self-care and and the stress and strain we put on ourselves. And uh, I think there is a role for Giving Kitchen, not only to use our platform to talk about issues of self-care, but also to give other people uh, their their voices to tell their stories about drug abuse and, and alcoholism and sexual harassment and discrimination. And so you will see more of that from Giving Kitchen in the future as, as this other level of stabilizing support as we really help to join a conversation that's already happening in our community about self-care, but then on the individual level. Um, and, and often we are just helping a, a restaurant worker or their restaurant family guide someone to a community resource for, for drug abuse and alcoholism. And so we'll go to Kaufman owner uh, or a manager or a general manager who's, who has a teammate who's really struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. And, and the service we provide is just talking them through how to make those resources available, how to get them to um, a, a place of care, um, as well as you know being able to provide some financial support as someone's going through that kind of crisis. Mm-hmm. Are they doing this in other states? I mean, this is really quite a model. To to our knowledge, Giving Kitchen is kind of one of a kind mm. scenario. I know there's a, a couple of others out there, um, one in Chicago and and maybe one on the the West Coast doing a similar um, acts um, through through a self care perspective. There is an organization that's local, even Ben Ben's friends, uh, who are providing exactly that the substance abuse kind of counseling and and mentoring through that, which is really important. Well, Brian, next week you are launching a new stability network nationally available. So what is, what's going to be happening then? Yeah. So this is um, very exciting. And part of this, uh, when we began 2019, you know, James Beard Award wasn't on our radar at all. And we talked as a staff about, you know, this evolution from the grants program to then stability network. And now that we're covering the state and we're serving, you know, food service across the board, while they're 
there really is something happening beyond the individual. And there's a lot of really good work already happening around wages and benefits, but no one in the food service community, um, and I, I can't say no one, uh, there's a need in the food service community to talk uh, for more people to talk about sexual harassment, for more people to talk about uh, discrimination, for more people to talk about self-care resources. Um, and, and something that means a lot to our staff uh, because we've personally uh, confronted this uh, to, to many food service workers, and that's suicide prevention and mental health. Mm. And w- something that we're excited to to share with the audience in Chicago is that the Giving Kitchen a few years ago, or la- this time last year, took a suicide prevention training. It's very simple. It took about an hour. We had an in, in, in-home trainer come to our office and uh, provide this QPR training. It's like CPR, but for suicide prevention. It teaches you how to hear someone who's contemplating self-harm and, and, and gives you the strength to, to address it directly and know how to get them to a resource. Uh, that same course is offered online. It normally costs about $30 a person, mm-hmm. um, and it takes about an hour, and so that can be prohibitive. And, and so Giving Kitchen has paid for every restaurant in the United States um, to take the suicide prevention training if they would like to. Amazing. Congratulations to both of you and Jen, you know, for carrying on this mission and legacy of your late husband. Yeah, I'm you. so Thanks grateful you guys could talk about it. Jen Heidegger, Kendrick, and Brian Schroeder, co-founders of The Giving Kitchen, a nonprofit that helps food service workers who experience crises. We listen to music from Bell and Sebastian, Dear Catastrophe Waitress, and we're going to leave you with Cooking Something Good with Mark, Mac DeMarco. 